When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 274 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are diving deep into the future of plant-based fashion. How often do you look at the tag on the inside of your clothes? Do you know what your favorite go-to garments are made of? And when you're shopping, are you regularly in the habit of prioritizing natural fibers when you go to buy something new? My guest today argues that the fashion industry is in a transitional period as it moves away from its heavy prioritization of synthetics. By the way, synthetics mean fossil fuels-based plastics. So the fashion industry is moving away from prioritizing synthetics, and it is moving towards harnessing the power of plants. I'm talking weeds. I'm talking seaweed. I'm talking algae and pineapple and everything in between. And the reason for this transition is actually quite simple. Synthetics just aren't sustainable. My guest today is Alyssa Couture. She is an author and the founder of the Healthy Fashion Campaign. Alyssa understands that plant-based fashion on the large scale is better for the planet, of course, but she also argues that wearing plants instead of fossil fuels is better for us as well. Alyssa, I'm so thrilled to talk to you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Stephanie? I'm great. Why don't we start our conversation today by you telling us who you are, what you do, and how you found yourself interested in what you call healthy fashion. So healthy fashion campaign is really all about fashion for the mind, body, and spirit. And I talk a lot about fashion for health and healing. And most specifically, I do address a plant-based fashion as the future of fashion. A big passion of mine is fashion that is uh, healing and therapeutic for the body. And I find that plants can contribute to that and be an important part of our journey. Just so all my listeners are on the same page, when you talk about plant-based fabrics, I think we all know cotton is king, right? But some of my listeners may be hard-pressed to name some other fibers that evolved from plants. So tell us, first of all, what are some other great plant-based fiber examples and how has the plant-based clothing movement or healthy fashion movement, as you call it, how has all of that evolved in the last few decades? 
Oh, these are some great questions. And I'll give you some examples of some fabrics that are um, in minor or moderate phase of production. And that is uh, hemp fabric, rami fabric, nettle fabric, bamboo fabric, linen, which is quite popular. And then we have lyocell tensile. And there's a few others like cactus fiber. They're using aloe and different types of cellulose from cactus skin. There's also the uh, pina fabric from the pineapple tree. So we have an assortment of different types of plant-based fabrics that we can choose from. Right now, we have a surge of synthetics, which has taken over the industry in a very crazy way. About 90% of uh, textiles is synthetic. And back in the 1930s, there's the major chemical giants, Monsanto, Bayer, DuPont, they made the synthetic fabric textile boom in the Industrial Revolution in the 30s. So we're basing on the cheapness of how we can produce synthetics and the labor is less intensive due to the technology that they have in order to produce these synthetics and these plastic materials into fibers. So with this crazy invention of plastics in the 1930s and the rise of the Industrial Revolution, polyester and plastics really took over. It has not changed really any since. And future studies have convinced people to think that plastics is going to be the future. But as we all know, it's a non-biodegradable material. And it's a resource that is not renewable. (laughs) So we're creating a sort of a dilemma here with our reliance on polyester fabrics. And a plant-based fashion is not that common right now. But the thing is, with our whole industry shifting in every single field of industry, like for example, our cars are becoming more electric and we're using a lot more solar energy. We're going into these alternative health remedy solutions in every single field of industry. So fashion industry is really a part of that. Thank you for mentioning that 90% of clothing on the market, I believe you said, is synthetic or plastic made from fossil fuels. That's an alarming number. 90%? I was hoping it was more like 50%, but but 90%. Synthetic fibers definitely have some benefits, right? I'm thinking waterproofing or breathability. However, from an environmental perspective, what would you say about the fact that 90% of clothing on the market is made out of synthetics. There's a documentary called Stinks. And this gentleman had created a documentary exposing the industry in hygiene and cleaning and fashion in regards to the enormous amount of chemicals they're using to produce these fibers. And with plastics, over 8,000 different chemicals are being administered to produce the plastic fiber, the synthetic fiber. So not only do we have a synthetic fabric that we're dealing with that is not really breathable and it's slightly acidic, it's not pH balanced, it is also 
being bombarded with a host of different chemicals and treatments in order to create the fiber. So for example, the water repellent, there is a chemical called Teflon, a chemical treatment called Teflon. And this Teflon has also been considered carcinogenic. So with some of these advanced treatments that is being done to these fabrics, the actual treatment itself is actually not advanced because it's hurting the body. And Believe it or not, I've actually taken photographs of some little uh, labels on sunglasses and sandals, for instance. And on the little labels, it says, warning, this product has a ingredient known to risk cause of cancer, or this product will cause reproductive harm. So we're finding that it is actually being thrown in our faces, some of the things that we're wearing are potentially considered carcinogenic. So with that being said, I do find that through the lack of breathability, through the fact that there's 8,000 types of different chemicals at different levels and variations of harshness being treated on the fabric and put on the fabric, synthetic fabrics are definitely not going to be the future. I know that one simple alternative would be bioplastics, you know, because a lot of us, we need to wear our raincoats. We need to have those textiles for sleeping bags or hiking gear or skiing gear. So bioplastics is definitely probably going to be the future. And I would definitely not suggest NGO. NGO is trying to be a brand that is going to be on the forefront of bioplastics, but NGO is a genetically modified fiber based off of the corn kernel. You bring up a lot of points there, and I'm really in awe of your depth of knowledge. So thank you for sharing just a piece of it with us. But you mentioned Teflon there, and you mentioned how maybe we don't want that touching our skin for eight-ish plus hours a day. If we're not going to cook our morning egg, let's say, in our Teflon pan because we're concerned about Teflon exposure to these very harmful, very research-backed harmful chemicals. Maybe we don't also want that chemical on our skin. But then you also mentioned too how perhaps with the corn kernels, their GMO corn kernels, and I know GMO cotton is quite popular. Even though plant-based fibers, natural fibers, whatever we're going to call them, certainly don't come from fossil fuels, oftentimes there's a lot of not so healthy (laughs) additives added in. GMO cotton, all the um, chemicals used to create semi-synthetics, especially with regard to bamboo, How easy is it for the average consumer to get their hands on clothing items that have no potentially harmful chemicals in them at any stage of the production or harvesting process? Yes, I agree with you 100%. Most of cotton right now that's not labeled organic could potentially be GMO, genetically modified. I definitely say that it's better to wear GMO plant-based fabrics versus synthetics just because plants gives the body a specific amount of breathability that we need. I also find that with plant-based fabrics, they're very absorbent. So they contain a certain level of water. And with our body being considerably mostly water, made of water like a cucumber, wearing the plant's 
that are highly absorbent to water, that moisture level for the topical treatment in regards to a fabric being a topical treatment will definitely help the body versus the polyester has a very drying effect and it has, has a lot of wicking properties. It kind of it repels water in general. So having that sort of protective moisture barrier on our skin through fabric is very important for us. And with the GMO fabrics, as you had said, it's definitely a predicament and, and it's actually a concern. And a lot of people want to look the other way. But I think that this day and age, we're moving closer and closer to certifications for example, GOTS, Global Organic Textile Standard, is a really great certification for fabric. You can walk into Target and find GOTS labeled all over their bedding. Many brands are considering using certifications so that they can make the customer feel comfortable and empowered when they go and buy a product and know what it's made out of. So we're going into all of these stores, whether local or non-local, and we really don't know what it's made out of. We do shop online. I believe that if the consumer can shop online and do it well, all the power to them because you can Google search organic fabrics, organic fashion. Even in Nordstrom's, a popular retailer in America, you can go onto their website, Nordstrom, and you can Google and filter out the material that you want to wear, and they will pull up a list of all plant-based fashions. So that's one way I think that in the future for us, we're going to be able to navigate towards the the plant-based fibers. But right now we're in a flux and in transition. We're moving into the direction of plant-based fabrics because we know that polyester plastics is not helping the body sufficiently. And one example for that is if you go to a doctor and you have a yeast infection, they will always prescribe cotton underwear. They will never prescribe plastic polyester underwear because of its lack of breathability. So plant-based is not just for the environment, but for the health of our, of our body. And ecologically speaking, the more plants that we produce, the more oxygen in the air. And the problem with the future of plant-based fashion is that we really have to bring in more technology, more advanced textile machinery in order to lift up some of these artisans, for example, who are creating fibers that we're not creating in a mass-produced way. So why don't we do something about that? Artisans in fashion is an important thing. It's never going to go away and it's a sacred way of keeping the culture of fashion alive. Sometimes we can even use them as an example, use artisans in different countries and use the the types of plants that they're using and develop them uh, more and more. For instance, the lotus fiber, there's a gentleman that's producing fabrics from the stem of the lotus, but they're using traditional aspects of creating the lotus fiber. And it could take about 45 hours to make one yard of fabric. So one thing that we can do is we can create the technology to, in order to empower the plant-based textile production because there's so many amazing plants out there that I don't think is getting a chance. I'm going to ask you more about the how-to. What are the first couple steps that those of us listening right now can follow to prioritize plant-based fibers in our purchases going forward. We're going to get into that after a quick word from today's sponsor. 
Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back. We are talking about the evolution of plant-based fashion. Alyssa, before the break, you mentioned how clothes from the lotus blossom flower (laughs) need to be individually fused with chemicals in a test tube to make a yard of fabric. I'm really paraphrasing that. But your point was that it was a very time and labor-intensive process to create a wearable fabric out of a lotus flower. So that brings me to my biggest question of the day, which is, in your opinion, is it actually possible to clothe 7 billion people, so the world, in plants? That's a great question. And I address in my book and in my work that it is possible, but there's definitely some changes involved. And part of that is we have to change fast fashion. It it is possible when we downsize, when we recognize that fast fashion is never going to feed us emotionally, spiritually, energetically, and also through biodegradation. When we wear more plants, we can actually burn more fabrics more successfully and it's not going to hurt and destroy the earth. Technically, the textile industry needs to bring in different types of plants in different types of uh, climates and nature landscapes. So we have the desert, we have the ocean, we have the farm, we have the wilderness. And 
through even agricultural waste and food industry waste. I know that a coconut shell is a perfect opportunity to produce buttons and whatnot. But in regards to some of the materials, like cork is a very wide versed material that can also be used in fashion as well. So taking in the direction of using multiple different nature scapes and making permaculture based textile farms for textile industry is very important. And algae in the ocean, seaweed fabric is definitely going to be a big one. It's happening right now. They're doing a lot of the seaweed-based textile dyes, but the material itself is really luxurious. It's going to be a perfect way to introduce more and more seaweed into our lives because right now in Europe, they're producing a tensile lyocell treated with a seaweed powder. And that seaweed powder is a cosmetic-induced fabric because the seaweed is administered through the skin into the bloodstream and if you wear it. <laughs> But the cosmetic fabric is definitely going to be a key trend for the future for us. And there's also a level of creating fabrics that can be just more dissolvable. It's not going to hurt the environment. So we could produce even more at a quicker rate too, depending on technology. But taking into consideration that... South Americans used 550 different types of plants to produce their textiles. We can move into that direction. And I know that wild weeds is a great type of plant to tap into. There's all types of invasive wild weeds. And one textile industry is developing fibers out of the kudzu root from Japan. And the kudzu root is an incredibly invasive weed in Japan. So they're using this plant, the stem of the kudzu, the root and stem of the kudzu, and turning into the cellulose fibers. Another one in North America, there's the cattail plant. And inside the cattail plant is a nice fluff cotton. And this fluff is great insulation for shoes, for hiking uh, boots, or for jackets and coats. These wild invasive plants could easily be developed more and more. And also because they're wild and invasive, could be a perfect way of using these weeds that are already, you know, thriving in uh, the wilderness and on land. I've been hosting this show for four years now. And I feel as though you're saying what an awful lot of my guests say, which is essentially that the current way of doing things is not sustainable, and that we then therefore are in the midst of a radical shift, a radical change. I had Marcy Zaroff on, and she was talking about that with fashion. And then most recently, I had Rowan Van Verst on. She said, we are going to a plant-based diet worldwide, whether we want to or not. And I hear you saying the same thing, too. The way that we're doing things in fashion right now, it's not sustainable. There's really no other way to put it. So what, in your view, are some ways that my listeners can help push this transition to plant-based fabrics, plant-based fibers becoming more mainstream, 
How can we as listeners make that transition happen quicker? And what should we be looking for when we're shopping? I know perhaps some listeners, most of my listeners, I must say, you guys are on the ball, but some of you just tuning in, you have no idea that you could make fabric or dye out of pineapple or algae. You might be thinking to yourself, holy moly, what do I do? So what are some first steps in your opinion? So that's a really great question. And with my work in, as a healthy fashion practitioner, we can all be healthy fashion practitioners in our own life because we have our own wardrobe. So if we choose ergonomic designs and ergonomic fashion, the demand for comfortable fashion that is therapeutic, plant-based is going to become the demand because what we buy is really what's going to be generating into the population. Some people say, it's just me and my wardrobe. How am I affecting the, <laughs> the planet? Well, actually, we don't have to underestimate our power. So your choices do matter, and your choices are much more powerful than what we actually potentially believe. I know personally speaking, I, I didn't really come across as always feeling powerful in this planet but we are, we very much are. So for the fashion consumer, I'd say focus on plant-based fabrics. And if you can't find plant-based fabrics, you can actually go online and they have much more variation and variety. And I would also definitely focus on ergonomic designed fashion and apparel. Fashion that will treat your body in a very medicinal, spa-like, therapeutic way. Fast fashion is going to be alleviated when we focus on plant-based fibers and plant-based fashion. And when we focus on a more minimal wardrobe right now, because I have more plant-based fabrics in my wardrobe, it's definitely more minimal. And I could go shop for more and more clothes, but when I have less clothes, it actually helps me. It, it just It's more serenity. I know that one person that I had spoken to had said, we have all of these decisions that we have to make during the day. I don't like to decide what I have to wear each day. It's so overwhelming and confusing. So this gentleman wears the same garment every day. And actually, to be honest with you, 50% of my outfit is already decided. I wear uh, plant-based cotton leggings <laughs> every day. <laughs> and so I just have to deal with the top uh, most specifically, but having less decision-making in your clothes and being able to fine-tune into what pieces really resonate with your body is definitely a really uh, perfect example. Yeah, I think your whole answer there is it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Here in New England, the seasons are changing and what do we all tend to do when the seasons are changing? We go out and get new clothes so that we can arrive and show everybody how great we look. <laughs> but it's not about just having the new things. It's about having fewer things that we feel really darn good in. So tell us, Alyssa, where can my listeners learn more about you online, find your book, Healthy Fashion Online? Tell us all of those important details. So you can visit me at www.hsnhealthyfsnfashioncampaign.com. That's my website. And I also have a book tab where you could check out my book. And the book is called Healthy Fashion, The Deeper Truths. And you can find it in your local bookshop. You can order it in any 
large bookstore near you. Alyssa, thank you so much. You taught me an awful lot. I'm going to be looking for algae (laughs) and I'm going to be looking for pineapple. And I'm really just so thrilled to have had somebody like you with your depth of knowledge on the show. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alyssa Kuchar. I have linked to her in the show notes, her book, her website, all the good things. I learned a ton from talking with her, and I so hope you did as well. I will be back on Thursday where we are covering everything you need to know before you buy a dozen eggs at the supermarket. Now, quick note, my children, are their school years are coming to an end. I'm going to try my darndest, my hardest to keep up with this twice a week schedule. I will say, however, that it is for me personally as a one person show, a quite grueling schedule. So with my kids home, I don't know how it's going to work out. Um, I'm going to be doing my hardest. So thank you for giving me your grace and compassion and understanding as I move into 12 weeks at home with my children and a podcast. It's going to be an interesting balancing act. So reach out if you need me. I will see you on Thursday and take care.